911, what's the nature of your emergency? Welcome back to the Tactical Living Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Walton, and I am joined with Detective Walton. How are you? I'm so good. In today's episode, I thought we could talk about what is your interview style? And no, that does not necessarily mean that you need to be an investigator or an interrogator or need to be in any profession where you interview somebody. However, whether we realize it or not, we are all in the capacity of actually interviewing, analyzing, and assessing people, and we can do a much better job at it if we know what to look for. So just sit back, relax, and enjoy today's content. I was watching this three hour and 19 minute video on YouTube because I was researching different interview techniques. As a coach, this is something that, yes, I've gone to school for, but I also try to improve on my skills on a regular basis. And there is this video and it's called The Disturbing Case of the House of Horrors Killer. I'm gonna link it in the show notes below. And of course, I didn't spend three hours and 19 minutes watching it because I two or three X the speed on almost any content that I consume. And in this particular this particular YouTube video, whoever put this together, together did the most impeccable job because not only do they have real life video from the interrogation of this sick, twisted motherfucker, but they also broke down the interview techniques of the two investigators that were interviewing this gentleman. And I sent it to Clint because although this is something that he does for work, I also found that there were a lot of techniques that were pointed out in this particular video that perhaps if you're just watching it with the naked eye and you're not paying as close of attention in this aspect, then you might easily miss. And in this interview, there was one detective who had a little bit more of a firm approach and both of them did an excellent job when it came to trying to build rapport. However, the second investigator was a female investigator and she did a much better job when it came to building the bridge, building the relationship between herself and this disgusting motherfucker. And every single day when we come into contact with somebody in our lives, doesn't mean that they need to be a criminal just on our day to day basis, whether we're at the market, at the bank, when we have someone knock on our front door, we are in the business of people. And when you're in the business of people, then that means that we always need to strive and do our best to understand the things that we are excelling at when it comes to the way that we communicate with people. And even more importantly, we need to humble ourselves down well enough to be able to understand the techniques and the things that we might need to do in order to give ourselves a little bit more due diligence and attention on the things that we're failing at when it comes to communicating with people. Now, Clint, what is coming to mind right now on a tactic, a technique, something that you think that you might need to improve on when it comes to being in the business of communicating with somebody? My and and I recognize this is my biggest problem of of time constraints and as always being limited on the amount of time that I have to really break down an individual and kind of figure out what what makes them tick um, because I know that's so important but time's never on our side with investigations and and so I I can almost pick out an individual really quickly and get them to confess to everything under the sun on that day. And then there's sometimes where I'm on a little bit stricter of a time constraint, whether it's me wanting to go home or my partner's wanting to go home or 
just trying to get that pertinent information a lot quicker so we can figure out uh, where that person, the other person may be or something like that. And it's kind of my biggest downfall is not allowing time to figure out what I need to look for with this person and to adapt my style to it. That's my biggest downfall. Yeah. And one of the things in this YouTube video that I love that most people don't pay attention to is all of the nonverbal cues that were going on during the variance of interviewer number one versus interviewer number two and the demeanor of the suspect and how he engaged in terms of his nonverbal cues with each of the two. So folding of the hands, somebody putting their head down versus somebody stretching and exposing their belly or their jugular. Those are two very simple variances, two very simple cues that if we know to pay attention to them and we're picking up on those things, then it allows us to understand what the temperature of the room is. And all too often, I think that we're hearing somebody, we're listening to the words that they're saying, but we're not getting the full picture because we're not taking in the full person. And that's one thing that I love about the study of nonverbal communication is that You don't even need to communicate with somebody in a verbal way in order to understand a lot of what's going on. So one technique that I employ, something that I do on a regular regular basis, is we hear people say that they love to people watch. But a lot of the times people are seeing other people, but they're not observing other people. And Joe Navarro has an excellent way to be able to start this process for yourself and to be able to train your mind on actually observing people And it's simply, is that person in pleasure or is that person in pain? And I encourage you to start to practice this for yourself as you go about your day to day, because you would be surprised how you're already well prepared and armed with so much more information than everybody else in the room by simply paying attention to whether or not somebody is in a pleasurable state or they're in a displeasurable state. And when you understand that, why why would that even be important if this isn't your job? You might be asking yourself that question. And in a world like today where every other post, every time you turn on the news, it's another gunshot, another disturbance and, you know, domestic violence or something going on that a person became agitated and the other person is almost always incredibly unaware of that situation that's about to take place. But if they were cued in, truly cued in to what's going on in the demeanor of the person that they're in front of, the person that they're with, whether it's you being at a restaurant ordering food with your waiter or your waitress, is that person in pleasure or is that person in pain? Is that person pointing their toes towards you or is that person pointing them away from the door indicating that they are rushed for time or they want to leave or they're about to flee, about to take off and run? And when we understand those those very simple tactics, that is really kind of like the broad spectrum when it comes to nonverbals, then it allows us to start to pay closer attention to those sorts of things. And when we do that and we use that technique and then we start to dig a little bit deeper, especially when you have two people, maybe you're, you think that you're people watching and you're looking at a couple. Well, what's going on? What are under the layers of that couple? Look at the dynamics of them. Look at the way that they're facing each other. Look at their facial gestures. Look at the way that their thumbs are pointing. Are they up? Are they down? And by diving into some of these techniques, and really starting to to hone in on these skills, I think it makes us much better communicators overall, which is so important in life in general. Yeah, and I think especially as you know, trained investigators go along, we forget 
to hone into those nonverbal cues that are such telling signs of where this person's at at that moment. I'm, I'm, and I'm thinking of one specific interview I had recently that it started out where this person was very closed off, very not willing to talk, but I gave them the opportunity to express what they wanted to. But then when I start kind of picking apart their story and and kind of going into it, they start shutting down more and more and because they think they know better. And that's kind of, it's almost having a balance. There's some people that you'll be able to speak with and some people you just won't. And, and I think especially within that interview that you're talking about of, you know, the different detective styles where the male goes in and interviews and the female goes in and interviews that person's underlying biases to a degree as well to feel more welcome towards a man interviewing him compared to a woman interviewing him. I think that has something to do with it as well. Well, it was actually the female that did the better job of mm-hmm. the two of them. So that that's a, a great point, too. We don't know what type of history somebody has. Uh, maybe they had a traumatic event. Maybe they were sexually assaulted. Like we, we never know what somebody's story is, and we don't need to know what their story is. But what we do need to do, and again, this applies to every engagement that we have with another human being, is we need to get over our own egos, first of all, and we need to truly pay attention and observe the individual that we're communicating with. When we do that, we can use and employ simple techniques such as mirroring, for example, or I I have a very aggressive tone of voice. I have a very confident way about me. And a lot of the times I have to dumb myself down when I'm in conversations because typically the people that I communicate with, they might not necessarily be at that level. So whether that means that I need to shift the volume of my voice or I need to shift the cadence of my voice, when we're so in tuned with somebody, even if um, an example of this is when you start cuddling with your spouse, your vitals will start to emulate theirs. Your respiratory rates will start to sync up. Your heart rates will start to sync up. And it's very similar when we're communicating with another person to be able to have those same dynamics in order to make it more one-on-one. I see you and I'm like you and I'm human like you, even if I didn't necessarily commit the heinous things that you know this person might have done. But we can all become more at one when we're in a conversation with another human being if only we set ourselves aside and we put in the effort to be able to do that and and you're absolutely right and like i said my only thing that comes down to is is the time factor and because everyone always wants answers right now and and you're not always going to be to be able to have that luxury of time and and that's kind of figuring out a balance to where you can and almost building a relationship with the individual that you're interviewing. I've had guys that I've interviewed and and afterwards they're thanking me wholeheartedly for allowing them to express everything that they wanted to get off their chests and to tell me anything and everything 
within their life to do that, whether it's against them criminally or not. Like they've, I've given them that time and space to where they feel comfortable with doing that. Yeah. And ultimately we all want to be seen and to be heard and what a beautiful gift it is just in life to be able to just hold space for somebody and to truly observe what it is that they're having to share with us, even if it's something more than the things that they're not saying. So I hope you have gotten some value out of this episode. If you're not already, please join us in our Police, Fire, Military, and Families Facebook group and know that we are sending you a long, tight hug from our home to yours.